The idea was building a team-specific radio network, a network of team-specific radio channels that were each focused on one team. Well, just the most in-depth coverage and content, you know, audio-wise on that team hmm. from a wide range of, of formats and, and perspectives and, and types of content, whatever. That's what it was going to be. From Innovate Mississippi, this is Origins of Innovation. Raw, honest conversations with founders on the then and now of their Mississippi-based startups. I'm Bo York, and on today's show, how founder Keith Jasper reimagined sports radio for the superfans and beyond. Keith Jasper is the founder and CEO of vSporto, the first team-specific radio network. And what that means is that through vSporto, you can actually find 24-hour team-specific radio channels. And when you look at Keith's origin story, it makes total sense that he would be the one to create such a product and company. As you will hear, he is a huge Buffalo Bills fan, like a really, really big Buffalo Bills fan. But beyond that, he also has a background in satellite radio. From 2004 to 2009, Keith was sent out to find niche-focused radio programs to fill Sirius's 200-plus channels. How niche? Well, one of his heavy hitters was actually a program dedicated to scuba diving. And that's not all. The other one that was a wild success was a bodybuilding talk radio show, <laughs> which I was an associate producer in addition to doing all sorts of like just grunt work, producing the show, intros for the show, uh, setting up times to interview people, you know, traveling with the show. Like it was a great way to learn. I mean, I took the job because it was like very versatile in the sense that like it was all over the map and I knew I'd do a lot of different things and, and be in touch with like a lot of different people at the company and growing up around radio. I mean, going further back, you know, my uncle had, you know, he was a radio DJ. My dad was just infatuated with all sorts of music, audio. I mean, all of the old like Orson Welles programs and stuff like that, like my dad has on like cassette tapes because he was a big fan of it. I mean, we had like ham radios around the house, still do, uh, CB radios. I mean, any form of radio, like, I mean, I was looking through like a, an old family album the other day and there was like six or seven radios just in my room alone. Oh, wow. Um, so it's a thing. I'd always been interested in it. I knew at, at Sirius being able to bounce around these different places would you know, really be an education experience for me that I would not get anywhere else. Yeah. I mean, I, I got to think working at a place like Sirius, it sounds like a, a really exciting opportunity, exciting job, especially kind of starting out. But why did they pair you with the bodybuilding and scuba diving shows? I mean, like, did, were those passions of yours? No. Uh, well, I mean, uh, you know, really it was, my job was very generic. It was like, hey, we are looking to fill this airtime with uh, sports content. Uh, and we don't really have any restrictions there, but we want to find existing popular internet radio shows. So go find it and make sure it can like make us money, you know? So I had to do that. And so the scuba diving one, it was really just kind of like a, a thing I came across. I mean, I really didn't have interest in scuba diving or anything like that. My brother was a scuba diver and he had told me about this internet radio show. So I checked it out and they had like an, uh, an adjacent like forum along with it and built it to this like massive like online community. And they were real rabid. I mean, just constantly like talking about things. And I was like, wow, this is so weird. Like it's scuba diving. Mm -hmm. Like who would have thought? Like, and then uh, with the bodybuilding of it, like it was the same thing. But I was into like 
you know, lifting weights. I was into like eating healthy, like nutrition. So I was familiar with the industry. And um, that one actually happened because somebody that I had known knew that I was working on uh, this project. Hey, they were like, uh, you should talk to this guy. You know, his name is Dan Solomon. And, uh, and so he was like, Hey, you should, you should talk to this guy. Uh, he wants to get, uh, this, uh, bodybuilding show, radio, internet radio show podcast. You know, he wants to get it out there in further places. And I think he'd be interested in you. And, and it, that was the most successful one. And that's the one that really, I mean, it grew an exponential amount. So that's incredible. So Sirius was actually looking for talent in kind of the podcasting pool. It's a weird and interesting time because it was podcasts before there were podcasts, you right, know, podcasts, right. like the name came from like the iPod and really before like iTunes launched it. I don't know what to call it, you know, and, and, and like a lot of people have tried to debate me because when we initially launched, we, and to this day, we still call it like sports radio. Mm. And I mean, where's the line? I, I don't know. You know, it's like, I'm not going to sit here and like, you know, figure that out. It's like, it's audio, it's radio, whatever you want to call it, like to get into the, the, you know, finite details. Like, I don't know if it really matters, but yeah, I mean, it was internet radio shows. That's what I call it. Cause that's what they referenced it as. It sounds kind of like, you know, old when I say like, Oh, this internet radio show, right, right, right. it's not really a term that's thrown around. And so at that time, like, I mean, that was what it was, you know, you called it an internet radio show. Didn't really call it podcast internet radio shows. Like that terminology had more more that's more legitimate than podcast podcasting is like in your mom's basement you know like i'm still like a negative connotation with it right that really did not go around uh, did not change until you know a couple of years ago right it was really like 2013 2014 well and even with kind of the you know podcasting coming into the zeitgeist uh you know serious and, and many of their uh, more vocal spokespeople have been kind of still negative on podcasters or podcasting, treating it as, as amateur hour. Um, do you think that comes specifically from what their, you know, <laughs> their background was in terms of using it as almost like a testing grounds? Yeah. I mean, I think those perceptions from them are changing. You know, I, I know Sirius is working on a, uh, I mean, they've made it public. They're working on podcast initiatives. Mm -hmm. So how do you go from that ecosystem of a organization that, that looks very, very much down on podcasting or, or specifically internet radio and, and then decide, oh, hey, I want to start an internet radio company. It's really just a matter of like the vision that you and you know see for it. I actually wrote down on a piece of paper, I like I was at Sirius and 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 I t actually shared the idea with a few people. Somebody that I shared it with um, was one of the main like executives of News Talk and Sports there, and actually became one of my biggest mentors. And he's now the uh, chief content officer at TuneIn Radio. Oh wow, yeah. And so uh, he was actually really encouraging and he was like, this needs to be done. Like this idea is, you know, phenomenal and like sports packages and NFL Sunday ticket and uh, NBA league pass and Sirius and all these different things. He's like, this has been fueled by the huge audience of displaced sports fans. That's what's grown those things. And he's like, so this is absolutely a market that needs to be built and, and that is being underserved. Hearing that, that was like, you know, it's like, yeah. okay, 
Like, we're going to do this. And so I wrote down on a piece of paper, I wrote terrestrial, satellite, and internet. And I was like, okay, we're going to research the uh, the various costs in them and what the requirements would be and, and how we can, you know, how you could potentially scale this and everything. Started looking and researching into buying terrestrial stations. I mean, you could find stations for what you would think would be cheap for a station, like two, $300,000 in like oh, nowhere, wow. Nebraska or yeah. something. And so I did that. I called uh, like... Uh, satellite companies to talk to them about b- leasing <laughs> bandwidth on their satellite, and uh, and and then like of course that would require me to build some sort of like hardware device, right? And I was like, well, that's going to be kind of hard, and <laughs> and uh, that seems pretty cost intensive. Plus, it was like going to cost like three, it was like two thousand dollars per hour that we leased, and I was just like, hmm. And then I looked at internet radio. I had seen. Pandora, you know, I was a fan of Pandora when it was just a desktop, you know, website. And, you know, at that time they were like 5 million users. And then when they launched on the iPhone in 2008, I believe they grew like 6X in the first year, just from their launch of their app on the iPhone. And I was like, let's go this way. Yeah. You know, this, <laughs> this seems pretty uh, exponential. Let's try this. And, and it would scale, um, you know, to keep costs low. Uh, we could build in the experience and it just made sense. So that's ultimately... That's how we came to the decision. How y'all how y'all got there? All right, well, we'll back up just a second because I, I want to know when you when you talked to your mentor and you told him your idea, like like simply put, what was that idea? So the idea was building a team specific radio network, a network of team specific radio channels that were each focused on one team. Well, just the most in depth coverage and content, you know, audio wise on that team. Hmm from a wide range of, of formats and, and perspectives and, and types of content, whatever, that's what it was going to be. Like, that was what I pitched him and that was his response. But like the idea initially, just before that, we were going to do a, uh, a network. It was going to be like an NFL network and it was just going to have team specific shows. That's how the idea first started. As in each show would be about a team, not the entire network would be about one NFL team. Right. It'd be one network and it would have like 32 shows on each team. Each so at, team least, gotcha. at least each team would have one dedicated show. Right. Because that was my big gripe. It was like, okay, you know, I listen to Sirius. I love the NFL station. They never talk about my favorite team, which is the Buffalo Bills. And I'm all the way here in Mississippi and I'm never going to hear anybody talk about the Bills <laughs> ever. And, and, and as I started going through that, I talked to other people and then I thought about it more. I mean, I had built you know, websites when I was like 11 and 12 for the Bills, like Bills fans. And we had built like a website that was partnered with Yahoo Sports and Fox Sports. And like we were paying like New York Times sports writers. Mm. But the idea officially stemmed around that time mm. because I remember like the Clarion Ledger did an article about this, the, uh, the website and what I was up to then. And I specifically said, they were like, where do you want to be like 10, 15, 20 years from now? I was like, I want to build a radio network for every sports team in the world. Keith knew that his own fandom would lead him in the right direction for this project. As a fan of the Bills and after speaking with other fans, Keith saw that though the Bills may not have one of the NFL's biggest fan bases, they did have a massive online community. They would be rapidly interested in exactly this type of product. All right, well, let's get back to V Sporto. How did you meet your founders? So I met, uh, so Kellen, I met, uh, I went to school with Kellen and um, we had grown up together. Um, I had met him when I was like probably like 
in sixth grade. And I reached out to him. I noticed, you know, his background. He was working on some some uh, sports media sites. And he was also, he had a background in like uh, music licensing and, and I knew he was an audio tech guy. And so I was like, Hey, you know, I want to run this idea by you. We went and grabbed lunch one day. He got it immediately. And it was one of those things where as soon as he started talking, yeah, and then you could do this and, or you could do this. And I was just like, it was the first time I was just like, yeah, I hadn't thought about that, you know, like, and that's actually a good idea. I just asked him, I was like, Hey, I was like, you want to partner up with me on this and, and. And let's do this. And he was like, yeah. So, uh, And then you, you also had a third founder as well? Yeah. Um, I had a, um, a third founder, Jim Carter III. This is like 2011. I knew a couple people that worked at like Google and things like that. I was like, okay, I got to find, I could program, but I was like, I need a guy who like knows it. Like I need a guy who is in love with audio, uh, in love with sports and knows the tech side. Um, that would be required here. And uh, so this guy named Brian Hall, who worked at Google, he gave me some attention. I mean, coming from Mississippi, it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, oh my gosh, like Google, you know, this guy talked to me, you know? Right, right, right. And uh, it was like, you know, oh, he must know so much, you know? And so he was like really helpful and, and he was entertaining it. I was trying to pitch him to be our co-founder and he was like, hey, look, he's like, I'm not interested, but I know a guy who I think is really, really a great you know, engineer. He's a sports fan. He loves audio. He loves internet radio. I think he'd be really interested in this. And so he connected us and it was sort of the first call that Jim and I had and it just, he got it. He understood the vision. Uh, and again, it was one of those moments where any idea he had it just made sense, you know. What was the first team that was y'all's channel? What was the first channel dedicated to? The first team was Mississippi State. It was a, a channel called Bulldog Sports Radio, um, and we launched it on my mom's birthday. And uh, I <laughs> always remember mom. that. Um, yeah. <laughs> so so why why Bulldogs then? That, that seems like an, an odd choice, especially given that your passion lay elsewhere. It was mostly because we wanted to start with teams that because we did uh, Ole Miss like very like very right after right in this sense it was one of those things where um, it's just a matter of getting the lineups completed and 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 the voices like who was going to be on the platform you know it, we just decided those two teams because we had ties to both universities like we knew we had connections at both universities and we knew like that would be sort of the initial proof of concept so to speak um if we can make it succeed there and uh and and make it impressive there then we could obviously scale it to bigger teams were y'all starting out from your house yeah the the way this started was when i had the bill site i never formed like a business we were getting paid i mean but it wasn't necessarily a full llc or anything right yeah. yeah so i didn't have any real business experience and then after satellite radio i set out to do this so I had to like drill down and like figure out like what we were going to do. In addition to getting, you know, sort of like, uh, you know, that figured out and everything. The other piece was figuring out sort of the documents we had to have in place and things like that. And with Innovate Mississippi, I'll give you an example. I had researched like venture capital and an angel investment. I didn't know what an angel investor was at the time. Really no experience in, in the, anything around that. I came across uh, Innovate's website on, the, you know, online they were called uh, the Mississippi Technology Alliance. It's like looking for angel investors. Are you an entrepreneur? Like submit your business plan here. So I uh, and there, and then, and then the other thing that caught my attention was like it's a free resource, you know. And so I submitted a three-page business plan, 
And uh, I got an email back. They wanted to meet. So I go to meet with them. I mean, I was pretty much like ripped to shreds. <laughs> like they, they like, they were like three pages. Who are you? You know, who do you think you are? Like it was well-deserved. Like I was totally unprepared, you know, for realizing what it would entail. And, uh, and so from there, like they were really helpful, but Kellen was working full-time at another company. So he would come over to my house or I'd go over to his house at like eight o'clock and we would work every night, Monday through Friday from probably like eight thirty. Um, until on an, every single night, at least until like two or three in the morning. Wow. And we did that for like, um, several weeks. Recording content, working on code. Recording content, uh, getting intros set up, coding, working like with Jim, uh, virtually remotely, uh, to, you know, build different things, running into problems, like troubleshooting them, uh, getting equipment set up, figuring out how we were going to get people to remotely record a show, um, without all of this equipment and everything in like a cost efficient way, testing all that sort of stuff, figuring out like, you know, a roadmap of what sort of content we were going to have, how we're going to fill the lineup. And so it was very time oriented. Like we had to, uh, you know, the, the new content started every morning at 7am and then we programmed it and recorded it in a specific way where it was always by the hour. That way you wouldn't have a new show starting at like 847. Uh, so we, so we organized it and scheduled it out in that way. Um, after we launched, I mean, just overwhelmingly, people were saying like, Hey, can we get this on demand? On demand is essentially podcast. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, within a few months of us launching, like we launched an on demand section or yeah, an on demand uh, section on the apps. Was the goal to have, to do kind of like what you did at Sirius in terms of going out and finding people that were already kind of doing this on their own and pull them more together in a, in a structured form, or were you actually creating the content yourself? That was the goal initially. We wanted to find existing shows and bring them on. There were two Mississippi State ones and there was one Ole Miss one. Two of them, one for Ole Miss, one for Mississippi State, were from the same guy. Oh, yeah. And uh, it was just an internet radio show. It was done weekly. And so it was like, okay, well, we'll try to get them on and then we'll try to build the lineups. That was our problem. And so we knew at that point, you know, there wasn't going to be enough variety per team um, to really you know, build out these lineups and, and offer enough to attract, you know, listeners. So that's when we said, okay, we've just got to identify the biggest voices. Yeah. Really right before that. I mean, you're, you're looking at uh, these two channels dedicated solely to these two individual teams and you've got three existing shows, two and a half, really. Yeah. That's got to be a stressful moment. Yeah. It's stressful. And it's like, there's a lot of uncertainty. You, uh, you're like, oh, who do we get? You know, like, who, <laughs> what? You know, it's like, uh, okay, oh, well, let's get this player. Oh, you know, like, is a player going to just take a risk with us? You right, know? right, right. It was really just un- uncertainty. You know, it was like the thing where it was like, I guess we'll just, we'll create this, you know, we'll go do it somehow. That was kind of the, the mentality that Kellen and I had. And so the first approach we did was go after, you know, some of the leading voices or, or personalities on these teams. And that was going to be like, that was the uh, the beat writers. Oh yeah, um, okay, sure. So we reached gives out. them an additional platform essentially to do what they're already doing. Yeah. Um, so we reached out to the beat writers. I mean, we had kind of a, a list of of uh, priority um, or just you know rankings, and obviously the beat writers of the Clarion Ledger in the state you know topped that list. They all quickly said no or didn't respond at all, and so then we went down the list, and the first guy to take a crack at us, uh, and we were really excited about it, was uh, Brad Locke 
from uh, the Daily Journal up in Tupelo. Yeah. And uh, and so Brad Locke is a very interesting person. He's a very uh, interesting voice. You know, he, he's good. He's very good. Um, but at the same time, he's got a humor side to him that I think is funny. You know, he was a younger guy. He was the first guy that really gave us a chance. We didn't think we were going to have a chance. And then one day he just like randomly called me. He's like, all right, I'm in. You oh, know, wow. Okay. And just surprised <laughs> me. Like, we didn't really know. We were planning for worst, you know. We just kind of parlayed that to the next, you know, level, like brick by brick. You know, we got him. And then uh, we had a few other people jump on. The old guy from uh, the, the old podcast guy for MSU. Yeah. Uh, I talked him into coming back. Uh, he had a friend that like that had worked in radio that could do it. That guy came on. So it was almost like a domino effect. Once you got got the ball rolling, so to speak, it, it started like, you know, everybody fell into place. And then all of a sudden we did get the beat writer from the Clarion Ledger. And then on top of that, like, you know, it, it just kind of, we had like players from the school, like retweeting us on Twitter. The first night that we uh, had a player retweet something about us, like we were just tweeting like hot takes um, before we launched and uh, while we were building the app. And that's a whole other story too. I mean, I mean, this is like 2011. There were no tutorials online on how to build a stream to a phone. Right. And we built that like blind. And so, you know, we launched in September of 2011, but in about June of 2011, that summer, um, we finally built the ability to broadcast audio to the phone just by, you know, you hitting like start. It was just a white screen. And there was a start, a blank white button that said start in the middle and you press start. And then we had on our computers at our house, we had a, a bunch of games that we had been able to like hack and like just get these archived games, which, sure. you know, we weren't supposed to have. Of course. <laughs> um, like we had a bunch of like Ole Miss and Mississippi State games and we just had those programmed on our computer at our home, like to just constantly loop. Plan loop. And so those, we built that. And so we had that program to just constantly loop. So every six hours, you know, the whole playlist restart. Like that was one of the coolest moments for me is like we built this ability and then to hear the games. And like, of course, me being the, like the, the nerd I am, I like took my phone, I took it into my car. Like that's how I was listening to audio anyway. I was listening to podcasts and stuff that you like Stitcher at the time. You know, I mean, I was driving around and I was like, that's just so cool. You know, like <laughs> I took it to my parents' house and I was like playing the games for them. They were just like, like they put it on like their speaker dock and everything. And we were just like this is going to change everything. You know, <laughs> you could not, number one, you could not get the games for free in an audio fashion so easily like that. It was one of those things where it was like, that was one of my favorite, like pre-launch or launch memory. That was one of my favorites. Like right. just building that ability, knowing we had done it and just experiencing that in a raw form. You know, there wasn't a design aspect to it or anything like that. It was just like what it was supposed Literally, to Literally you press a button and it doesn't. Yeah. And the audio plays, you know, and it's like, <laughs> there it is. I cannot express in words like how great of a feeling that was and a like sense of accomplishment. Still to this day, I, I like I just remember how happy it was, you know, and, and, and everything. But um a week later it changed and it had like a design and everything. <laughs> right, right, it changed right. that whole it's like it's almost like your first baby, you know. It's like, ah, oh, you know, like and then and then a week later it's like, Oh, they've grown up. What? Like Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who's this teenager? <laughs> yeah. And it's That's like great. now they have like 
you know, a logo and stuff. Like this doesn't make sense. You know, they're growing up too fast. <laughs> but yeah, that that was essentially the the first. Uh, we we the next moment was when one of the players at Mississippi State had retweeted us before we had launched, um, saying that we were coming. You know, that we were going to launch soon. And that night we went from on Twitter from like 50 or 70 followers to like 600 or 700 followers. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, it happened that night and Kellen and I were just like, whoa, <laughs> <You know? laughs> we we're like, we didn't expect that. Well, those are the highs. What about the lows? What do you look back on and be like, you know what? I really wish I had done this differently or this really came back to bite us or, you know, from that, from that standpoint. I wish I had more experience with raising money beforehand. That could have helped tremendously in, in a lot of like the early days. The other thing that we made a mistake of in the beginning was kind of trying to cater to investors mm-hmm. and not really focusing on what was working in some cases. I think a lot of founders go through that, you know, and can you share kind of an example of, of where, where, you know, you, you felt like you were kind of tailoring your product for what they wanted as opposed to what it was supposed to be? Well, we never did that. Um, it was really more of like the pressure to do it. Mm. Um, they're saying we should do this, but we know we should do this. In the beginning, we had launched Mississippi State, and then we were working on Ole Miss. We wanted to launch Ole Miss because we had already gone to try to sell advertising to monetize. And the overwhelming response from advertisers was, hey, you know, we don't want to seem biased in this. So, you know, if you want our money, we have to seem equal and so you know we would probably do this if you had a, a you know another team mississippi like, oh. politics right there <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, can't, you can't just back one team yeah that is very much a sports thing is it really and the biggest thing people told me in the early days was oh you know they're if they're a fan they're not going to bring that to the table that's garbage fans like are fans even in a boardroom setting they can try to like hide it it comes out and it's not hard to get it to come out. I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's funny. I mean, again, like we're trying to celebrate, you know, fandom, but it very much plays into it. Does it, did that actually give you a bit of a bonus in the long run? Because now you've got the opportunity to sell more advertising on more channels. I, I think so. Something that I felt like we should have learned earlier is like, how things are really based on performance and not relationships. Mm. Like they certainly helped us get started and everything. A lot of our advertising deals initially were just based on relationships. You know, there wasn't a lot of like standards around performance. Uh, But at the same time, I mean, you could argue like the podcast market wasn't what it is today. It didn't have standards back then. Even the standards today are still being formulated. Yeah. I'm still kind of grappling with like, what is the one thing that like I've regret or uh, that I wish we had done better. I, I think the biggest thing is like filtering advice. You've got different people. Everybody has an opinion, you know what? I mean, somebody always like comes at you and they're like, Hey, I have this idea and I know it'll work and this and that and that. Right. And it like gets you excited. And then you have to like, kind of, you know, step back for a second and be like, is this, you know, is this what I really want to do or anything like that? So that to me, like overall, is, is you know, it's, it's kind of been a, a thing that, like, I think in the early days were challenging for us, and how to kind of like decipher through that sort of information or feedback and everything. How many channels do y'all have today? Uh, we have thirty-four channels now. Wow. What what's been the most successful of those channels? The the most successful now is the Dallas Cowboys channel, by far and away. That's been our fastest growing and our largest channel. It's a, it's a big portion of our audience. Wow. Coincidentally, they are the largest uh, t- 
team fan base in the in the country as well. They have an estimated like 16 to 17 million fans in the U.S. I mean that that's been our you know most successful to date. The lightning bolt moment for us, though, I, I have to kind of share this, is we launched Mississippi State and Ole Miss. Those were doing well. We were monetizing them well. Um, we wanted to go after bigger markets next. And so we launched Alabama and Auburn. Two weeks after we launched those, um, they were both in the top 25 iPhone sports app rankings. Oh, wow. Yeah. And what's interesting about that, and I want to emphasize the point that uh, one of them, our Alabama app, it's an Alabama podcast app was ranked ahead like CBS Sports, Fox Sports, a lot of the ESPN apps, uh, Bleacher Report. Even though it was a laser-focused market in terms of like, you know, who you're, the fan base, you were, you were going, like you were putting the big boys to shame. Yeah. Now, granted, we it was the discovery, it was the initial excitement and discovery of it that was driving it. But yeah, it was one of those moments where, and at the same time, like the Auburn app was in the top 25. And so it was one of those moments where we were like, okay, there's something here. That's the point where we said, okay, we've got to take this to the bigger teams. Mm. You know, the NFL, the NBA, they make up the largest like global sports or U.S. sports audience. And so we've got to go after those teams. That's where we had that moment. And we wanted to expand to the top 20 college teams, but it's evolved now to, you know, NFL teams, NBA teams. We have now like 34 teams. Wow. So where do you go next? Where where does Vsporto go from here? I think what we've discovered is, number one, like this is a platform for fans, people who have a, a, a very strong appreciation, interest, you know, passion into something. I mean, the listeners for these channels, they are crazy addicted to this content. We get so much feedback. I've had fighter pilots send me selfies of them listening, which makes me a little concerned about the safety <laughs> of our uh, Air Force. But the way that they tell me these things uh, and the way they send in feedback is, is you know, they're very excited about it. And, and so, you know, this has made a lot of people become even bigger fans. It's awesome. This is something that I think we can apply to anything that people are interested in. So most recently, like we launched a sneakers podcast. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. And that's taken off. And so, I mean, we're working on, you know, channels like that. But I think it's something that can evolve. We still have many more teams to launch, but I think it's something that can not only expand throughout sports, but also, you know, beyond sports. But I, I think about that. I think about other things. I, I, it makes me think back to the, the scuba diving, you know, talk radio show and the bodybuilding talk radio show. It's like, hmm, like there's a lot of this out there, you know, and there's not, there's still not today, even though we've done it uh, for audio for a lot of teams. There's still not today like an easy way to get like the best, like widest range of content on something you're interested about. Everybody has that, mm -hmm. you know, like there's a place you go for Star Wars, you know, like beyond just iTunes. I mean, there's a for sneakers. We partnered with NiceKicks.com mm -hmm. and they're one of the largest uh, sneaker blogs out there. The guys get on interesting people to talk about the things that they like about sneakers. That I mean, they care about most, yeah. Some people like overthink things way too much. They're like, oh, you know, and they're quick to write things off. They're like, oh, this can't be done. It can be done. You know, it's just a matter of doing it. And and in this case, like the sneakers podcast is already pop is it's already really popular. I mean, like Kevin Durant's shoe designer, they talked about sort of the inspiration for Kevin's shoes. Like these athletes for their own shoe lines, they take a lot of pride and like they really get into this. I mean, sneakers are like a 
huge like community and people go crazy about them. And it's, like, it's massive. Yeah, absolutely. People that share those interests will totally get it, you know, but if you're not interested in some of these things, you know, if you're not a diehard fan, it's going to be harder for you to relate and say like, oh, there's a market here. You know, that's where I see the future. So that's good. Well, I think we just heard the origins of new innovation as well. So Keith, thanks so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks, Bo. Thanks so much for listening to the show. For more origin stories of Mississippi-based innovators, be sure to subscribe to the show at originsofinnovation.com. Our show is produced by Pottery Studios and made possible by Innovate Mississippi. I'm Bo York, and you've been listening to Origins of Innovation. Thank you.